To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. The more I think about like, well, what would it look like to return to Roe beyond like Roe is insufficient. We don't want to go back to something that's insufficient. Um, I think people think Roe does things that Roe doesn't do. Yeah, I think yeah. so and, and I think that they are able to sort of like project this fantasy version of Roe that we actually never had. There's no real appetite as much as they're sort of messaging abortion. There's no real appetite, I think, in the Democratic Party to like not move on abortion to like demonstrate that this is actually important and like we aren't going to compromise on this. They've been nothing but compromise on abortion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Death Panel. Patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show. We could not do any of this without you. And if you'd like to help us out a little bit more, share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, pick up copies of Health Communism and A Short History of Trans Misogyny at your local bookstore, or request them at your local library and follow us at Death Panel underscore. So today I'm here with my co-host, Abby Cardis. Hello. And the two of us are joined by returning guest and friend of the panel, Melissa Jira Grant. Melissa is a journalist, author, and documentary filmmaker who, as a staff writer at The New Republic, tirelessly covers the intersections of gender, sexuality, race, health, reproductive justice, and the so-called law. Melissa is the author of the book Playing the Whore, the Work of Sex Work, published by Verso, and is working on her next book, which is forthcoming from Little Brown, called A Woman is Against the Law, Sex, Race, and the Limits of Justice in America. And today, Melissa is joining us to talk about her recent piece for the New Republic called Joe Biden is Running on Row, It's Not Enough. Melissa, welcome back to the show. Such an honor to think together and be in conversation, literally, as always. It's really great to be back and continue to talk about our incredible present that we're all just (laughs) doing our best to live through (laughs) together. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a beautiful present. Yeah. Incredible (laughs) present. Very powerful. We love it. So, folks, you may remember Melissa from our recent episodes back in November about libraries and resurgent echoes of the Lavender Scare. But today we're reaching back to pick up a different thread that we've been discussing with Melissa on the show for years now, which is abortion. At the end of January, Joe Biden's reelection campaign launched a key feature of their strategy running on, quote unquote, codifying Roe. And the announcement was, of course, timed with what would have been the 51st anniversary of the Supreme Court decision that is most associated with the legalization of abortion in the U.S., Roe versus Wade. When SCOTUS overturned Roe back in June of 2022, Democrats seized the moment in terms of fundraising and dropped the ball on pretty much everything else. Though Biden was president when SCOTUS overturned Roe, and though Democrats controlled not only the presidency, but also the House and Senate when it happened, there was an obvious lack of urgency. Immediately, it became clear that Democrats saw threats to abortion as a re-election strategy first and foremost. And now they're framing that into a strong record of being abortion champions. 
that's kind of the theme of this whole election cycle. And this isn't the only ahistorical frame that the Biden team has been running with. We recently covered attempts to retcon Biden's record on pandemic welfare expansion and hide the Biden administration's very real efforts to hasten the undoing of the pandemic welfare state. So today we asked you back on the show, Melissa, to help kick off our abortion coverage for this year and to talk about why what Biden has done is not enough, especially in the context of the impending oral arguments in the Mifepristone and Comstock case that SCOTUS will hear in March. Beyond rewriting their record on abortion, running on codifying Roe is, as per your argument in your piece for TNR, not enough. And even if the second Biden administration were successful, codifying Roe would do little to stop the plan to fight against abortion that has already been outlined by the right. So to start us off, Melissa, right away in your piece, you take really precise issue with two top line aspects of the strategy that the Biden reelection campaign is using that I think are really important to just address right away, which is the strategy itself running on Roe and the limits of that and the ways in which their messaging is also rather manipulative. I love the way, for example, you basically say that Roe is the, quote, landmark abortion opinion that made its plaintiff's pseudonym synonymous with reproductive rights, which I love because most of the time Roe is described as the right to abortion. And you point to how that collapsing really allows Biden to basically campaign on Roe and avoid directly saying the word abortion himself. So can you walk through what the strategy is here from the Biden team and how they're really framing the whole thing? It's kind of perfect for him to be able to run on Roe or codify Roe or even more abstractly as some of the signs that the campaign featured at their kickoff event on January 23rd, um, defend choice. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's a great. Ah, uh, yes. And time tested or Democratic tendency, Democratic Party tendency to collapse Roe with reproductive rights entirely to use Roe as a way to not say the words abortion. You know, it's parallel with rhetoric that has slightly gone out of fashion, like safe, legal and rare when talking about the conditions under which abortion should exist in this country. And it also is just so out of step with the times, you know, like maybe it was forgivable 10 years ago to want to codify Roe. In fact, it would have been a great idea (laughs) to have done this (laughs) 10 years ago. You know, I vaguely remember Obama administration saying this was going to be important to them and it didn't quite happen. So in this moment, though, when we have had at least since the 90s, at least since the term reproductive justice was coined, a much more expansive idea of what the politics of abortion and reproductive rights looks like Mm. is now dominant in sort of the reproductive health rights and justice broader umbrella movement. When you have Kamala Harris out there on the campaign trail saying things like reproductive freedom, Mm-hmm. That's like her nodding to that. However, bizarrely, that might seem uh, for a former <laughs> prosecutor to be like, yeah, reproductive justice. We're all about that now. But like, whatever, it's it's better than Biden's absolute refusal to say the word abortion. I think he said it once in a high profile context and it was around the Dobbs decision. But yeah, it just it feels like as transactional as ever. You know, abortion has Mm -hmm. long been a transactional kind of politics. The Democratic Party, they expect people to turn out and support them despite many other actions that would erode reproductive justice. But, you know, we're the only ones who are going to save you. We're Mm -hmm. the only ones who are going to save you isn't 
real anymore. You can't run on that anymore. Um, and so all they have to run on is, you know, let's get back to what was the status quo, which isn't very inspiring. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. instead we get things like restore row. It's simple. This is about reproductive freedom. And then all of the bad things that have happened after Dobbs, right. All of the fear, all of the panic, all of the hundreds, thousands of people who have been denied an abortion. Mm -hmm. They want to put all of that on Trump. Yeah. And there's an argument for that. But the reality is Joe Biden was in the White House when those things happened. Democrats were in the White House for a long time when we had Roe. And so it just it makes it, it it's like, where were you when you should have? You know, yeah. like I, I feel like it's just so basic, like anybody who's been paying attention, like, where were you? And I think the strategy is contingent on things being so dire that mm -hmm. we are just supposed to put all of that aside. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and and it's just it's it's very difficult to do that without Ro. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I said uh, maybe this was in 2022 on some episode of Death Panel. Like it really feel, you know, me being as politically naive maybe as I am about the Democrats and <laughs> saying something like I really feel like there is kind of a perverse incentive here, like the way that the Democrats what their like strategy and like their inaction on abortion kind of discloses about their worldview <laughs> really made me feel like there was kind of a perverse incentive for Democrats to like never take any action on abortion at all because, you know, they seem to be incentivized. They seem to believe that it's just as good. You know, they, they're using it as a fundraising tactic, basically, and as, as a cudgel to try to get out the vote for themselves. And the worse things get, you know, the more they kind of double down on that. And I remember thinking mm. that kind of very cynically, like two years ago, and I was like, oh, surely, you know, that's, surely I'm just being like conspiratorial or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. It really feels like their only strategy is to just let it get really, really bad and kind of abusively posit themselves as the only the only solution. Let us, you know, give us money to save you from us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, you know, there, there's a kind of acknowledge, a very cynical acknowledgement of the very dire circumstances that so many people have been put in, not just since the SCOTUS ending row kind of point of origin that the administration is pointing to, but really just as, as we talked about, Melissa, you know, way back in, I think, May or April of 2022, before that decision came in, the landscape itself of criminalization, of quote-unquote access that has all of these administrative burdens that are placed both on people trying to get the abortion and on the clinics, all of the ways that essentially there are these kind of de facto restrictions and, and points of criminalization that don't even sort of touch on or have no real relationship to whether or not Roe is in place. And so what I think is interesting and frustrating is the kind of cynical politics of them basically saying, okay, you're backed in the corner. And so all we really have to offer you is that look at how awful that other guy is. Whatever problems you have with us, we're all you have. You don't have, you know, any better option. So just stick with what we're giving, you know, and there's a, there's a kind of acknowledgement, right, of, of the really 
long-standing extreme positions that, for example, abortion funds have been put in, not just in the last two years, but the last 10 years. The kind of surveillance apparatus that has been stood up around just record-keeping around abortions and things that, for example, have just made abortion access for certain groups specifically more dangerous, like people who are undocumented, right? And, And these broader parts of the sort of downstream pressure of abortion, right, get kind of like separated from Roe and wrapped up in it all at once, if that makes sense, right? So it's like they yeah. they not only are basically put saying like, okay, well, we're selling you nothing because you're in a corner and we don't have mm-hmm. to sell you shit. Like, they're also saying in a very manipulative way that Roe is the simple fix, right? And and yeah. and that that is like... <laughs> injury upon insult and they did it to themselves Uh right i mean that's the thing that's like you know for them to speak honestly about the landscape for abortion access not now not in 2022 10 years ago 20 years ago you Mm -hmm. know going all the way back to planned parenthood v casey which i think was 92 um you know we knew in the 90s that the strategy for anti-abortion groups was twofold. I mean, it was probably more than two, but let's just talk about two. Overt clinic violence and intimidation. So that's when we sort of, you know, have the groups like Operation Rescue doing like physical clinic blockades. And so that becomes like one site of struggle, like literally defending the clinic. And then this broader chipping away at access, right? So, okay, Roe gives you the legal right to abortion, but it doesn't give you a guarantee that you can actually access one. That's something that people have been wrestling with probably since January 23rd, 1973, the day Mm -hmm. after, (laughs) Um, you know, like if you, even if you live in a state where abortion is legal and you have to drive three hours to a clinic, it's really easy for anti-abortion groups to come to your state and drop in a waiting period, 24 Mm -hmm. hours, 72 hours, nope, 24 hours, have a vaginal ultrasound. And then you have to come back and look at the results of the ultrasound. Like they were very strategic and also openly rolling back access for decades. And Democrats can't acknowledge that history and that problem without pointing to their own participation in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is so, I feel like that that explains a lot. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm kind of wondering, it's so striking to hear you formulate it in this terms because it's so true. You know, it's been so obvious what's going on, what's been going on since the 90s and kind of what the strategy was at that time. And, you know, we can see how that strategy has sort of come to fruition. Um, I'm wondering, like from the vantage point of this moment in time, what is the strategy now? I mean, I know you've written a lot about Comstock and like maybe we'll get into some of the Comstock Act, but like what's going on from the right? Because they don't seem they don't seem to be content. You know, I feel like the Democrats would be very happy with like a static situation where it's like, OK, mm-hmm. the Republicans won this one. Like they got rid of they got rid of Roe. And like now it's our turn. But like, I don't think that the right is stopping anytime soon. You know, like it seems yeah. like they have set their sights on bigger things. So how do you kind of see their or what do you what do you see as their strategy, I guess, like the right strategy to continue to compromise uh, abortion access? It's it's kind of it's not content to sit 
on its laurels. I think that's hundred percent. I was trying to do like a football metaphor and I realized I know fuck all about football, but I was like, are they like in the end zone holding the football and they're just going to hang out until the Democrats grab it Sounds back, good to me. but they're not right. They're like, nope, fuck that. We're going to go play cricket. Like whatever, mm-hmm. like we're off doing something else entirely. Like we, as much as there've been sort of like hand wringing in, you know, mainstream political coverage, of abortion, which, you know, underscoring political, like the kind of coverage that only looks at abortion as an issue that has an impact on presidential elections. Um, You know, in that universe, there's been a lot of like hair splitting coverage of like, well, do Republicans really support a total ban? Maybe they just support a certain weak ban and da da da. That is missing the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. You know, the the bigger picture strategy remains the same as it was ever since the the chipping away and access strategy rolled out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other ways in other states to to continue chipping away at access. One of the ways that the that they're doing that, and I don't know that they're going to be successful, but they have definitely rolled this out almost immediately after jobs came down was to this idea of abortion trafficking to create this crime of abortion trafficking, which, you know, essentially means you you leave your no access state where abortion is a crime um, and go to another state where you can have one. And Idaho has passed a law against abortion trafficking, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. which is like not a thing. Right. This is like traveling for health care. That's what Mm -hmm. this is. Mm -hmm. And but it's, you know, now sort of talked about in the terms of like a criminal conspiracy. So anybody who aids, abets or assists somebody to do this, right? The person who drives the car, the person who lets them crash at their house, the person who gave them gas money. Like if you are involved in an abortion happening, you could potentially be considered um, an abortion trafficker. Mm-hmm. Wild. Um, that in Idaho right now, that law is temporarily blocked. They've also been trying this in a couple of jurisdictions in Texas, which, you know, why Texas? Texas is already like a no access state, total ban state. Um, What they want to be able to do is make people fearful of driving out of state to have an abortion Mm -hmm. by making their travel along Texas highways or from one town to another potentially fall under this nebulous abortion trafficking crime. Um, I don't know that they're going to be that successful in making these laws, but what they are doing is they're creating this sort of web of criminalization. They're casting this out over all of the ways that people are going to try to get around the fact that we have lost Roe. Probably the biggest frontier that they've moved on, and I do have to give the Biden administration like a little bit of credit on this, is mifepristone and medication abortion generally. You know, anti-abortion groups have been trying to reframe medication abortion as chemical abortion. (laughs) They've been trying to cast it as very, very dangerous. They openly want to take back um, or roll back the, the FDA's approval of medication abortion. That's what's going on right now in the case in, in Texas that's going to be before the Supreme Court in March. Um, you know, whether or not like five rando doctors can tell the FDA that they were wrong. That's mm-hmm. the core of that case. Like, so they have taken the abortion fight into venues that Democrats are just like not fighting in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. With the possible exception of the fact that in December of 2022, the Department of Justice sort of at the asking of Biden produced like a guidance note or like letter of opinion about Mifepristone responding to one very narrow question that the right, including groups that we've talked about ad nauseum, like Alliance Defending Freedom, um, have been making that, 
you know, well, actually, medication abortion is already a crime under the Comstock Act because this this provision of the Comstock Act has not been repealed. And the DOJ intervened in a very helpful way that's going to maybe make, you know, some difference in this case before the Supreme Court. And I don't think it got any attention, really. The ramifications of it certainly haven't been fully parsed out. Like this could end up being a very significant document that just sort of happened in the margins of the news in December of 2022. But also there's no DOJ document that's going to stand between, you know, what these groups like Alliance Defending Freedom, what the Supreme Court, the kind of, you know, like we are, we are outside the bounds of norms. And so it's great that, you know, we can point to this like piece of process. Actually, DOJ says that that's not what the law is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one, that's only as good as this DOJ, right? So as soon as a Republican takes over and is able to, you know, restaff the Department of Justice as they would see fit, which is already in motion, um, it's like, I, I feel like they're the Democrats are playing like a totally outmoded legal game here. Yeah. Right. Of doing like really incremental wonky stuff behind the scenes, but out front talking about something so broad and so vague as in codifying Roe and so impossible for them to do mm-hmm. right now. It would be one thing if Congress was poised to do this. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a little it's it's difficult to sort of bring those two arenas together. But, you know, the anti-abortion groups are comfortable working in any of these arenas. And it doesn't seem like the Democratic Party is all that willing to work in any of them. Mm-hmm. To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalog of patron-only episodes. And be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love, the Death Panel.